Welcome to Navigating Education, the podcast. The podcast that can help educators from around the world navigate not only the present, but also the future. Through discussions of instruction, ed tech, policy, and school leadership, we're here to connect with you and educators from around the world to help them amplify student learning for the betterment of our students and their future. Hey, good evening, everyone. Welcome to Navigating Education, the podcast. I am Dr. Matt, your host, and I'm excited to be here this evening as we are here to discuss all the major themes from the first 50 episodes of Navigating Education, the podcast, as this is episode 50. And I'm truly excited to be here as it is really a, I feel like for me personally, an accomplishment to get to 50 episodes. And from the educators that have supported this podcast, whether it's a listener or as a guest or as someone that's been interacting on social media, I really just want to thank you as we jump into today's episode. It wouldn't be here without you and your inspiration and motivation to really produce episodes on a weekly and monthly basis. It keeps me going and it helps me continue learning and uh, really focusing on sharpening the tools that I have to really implement into my practice as an instructional leader and tech integrationist. So I truly am thankful for that. So really the purpose of today's episode is to jump into and discuss a variety of major themes that we've seen from these past 50 episodes so that as we are here in the summer of 2022, help educators, regardless of your context, whether you're in K-20, really navigate the future of education as we go into the next school year. And I've listed a number of some major themes that we've gone over in this podcast over the last 50 episodes and most recently with season two. But we also have many that aren't listed here as well that I will also touch on. So I'm going to just have this go for about probably 15, 20 minutes just talking about each of these themes, probably doing a lot of shout outs here and there to previous guests, as well as educators that I've been able to connect with and learn with. So let's get started. So I, I created this list here of themes. And the first one, I just, I'm going to go down first. And then I'm going to then discuss essentially some other themes that I have been able to really see in my daily practice, as well as from our other episodes that I may have not touched on here. So first and foremost, as we go into the 2022 school year and 23 school years, is that I really think that relationships matter, but we can't have great relationships with all of our students and our colleagues unless we have uh, Maslow before Bloom. We got to make sure that as many needs as our students and teachers are met so that we can then really build those relationships so that we can then really focus on, you know, putting forth a great educational program for our students. And I think just as we go into the next few months is is that as a leader, really try and provide opportunities for your teachers to make it easier for them as they jump into the school year. Same thing with students. It's been a tumultuous last few years in education. And I think 
really phasing into the school year slowly and really focusing on getting to know each other, building relationships, and really focusing on Maslow before Bloom is, is really key to a successful school year. And I am really, uh, really adamant about this as this is truly something that we have to um, focus on as it's as where we're currently at in education with so much burnout that we've seen over the last couple of years and stress and trauma from all parties involved. It's, it's, it's really critical that we do this. Some practices I think that we can do to really help cultivate these relationships is in our last episode, uh, Lynn and Ryle talked about uh, gratitude and in incorporating gratitude practices as along with social emotional learning within all aspects of what we're doing within our schools. So whether it's something simple like daily gratitude journaling or whether it is you're working on with students, social stories, or even with teachers, you bring in experts and psychologists to talk about, you know, navigating certain personal situations as well as things that you may see in the classrooms regarding trauma and offering those types of services beyond just the classroom to teachers and students alike. I mean, that's that's huge. And I think the gratitude piece along with that social emotional learning piece is huge. As I think that as, as we're learning and growing as individuals is that we have to have that foundation of that emotional intelligence along with practices like gratitude that can really help propel us forward and really help us feel good about the work that we're doing with our colleagues and to our students. So that's just the one major, really first, just to start off as just really, really important. It's relationships first and foremost, regardless of the context you're in, regardless of whether you're a leader of students or a leader of teachers or um, other types of faculty and employees within a district. The next uh, area I wanna talk about is autonomy and time. We really want to focus on providing as much time for educators, teachers to plan, plan their lessons, as well as prep time for providing students feedback, email with families in the community, making copies, doing everything that they need to do. And, and that, that time piece, providing time is key. And I can tell you from what I notice when I go to a lot of schools is when you look at the master schedule, it really tells a lot about the culture of the school. And I really think that if you are providing that time within the school day for teachers on one or multiple occasions, hopefully multiple occasions that they can do that within uh, the time that they have allotted for their contract is essential. We want to make sure that we provide enough time for them within the day to really get the things they need to get done, done as their experts. And, and that goes with also this notion of autonomy, really creating a trust, a trusting culture where that time, is, you know, is going to be used for things that are necessary for their classroom and for the school. I think that autonomy piece is huge. And I think that in terms of the, the leadership piece is we want to avoid that micromanagement. We want to make sure that people do their jobs. And I think that while oversight is important accountability, I'll, I think that there's limits. And I think that 
we can really getting to know that individual or group of individuals, how much, you know, push and pull you want to go that way. And I think that that micromanagement piece, I think is if we can move away from that micromanagement to trust, it, it, it's really, it's really, really huge. And it goes a long way in terms of uh, teacher efficacy, as well as, you know, just maintaining a positive culture within schools and districts. The next uh, area I want to talk a lot about is personalized PD pathways aligned with goals. We have many different episodes that discuss this from our coaching series, um, that which was a five-part series in, in about, I think, episode 30 to 35-ish. And we talked a lot about the coaching and how to coach. And I really do think the future of professional development is focusing on coaching and then finding outlets for professional learning that can meet the learner wherever they want to go at, whether that is a podcast or whether that's them reading a book or whether that's taking an individualized course or whether that's a a synchronous online or live professional development. It's really, you're providing options and choice and providing opportunities for educators to get those opportunities at any time. I think that's huge and that goes hand in hand with coaching and you align that coaching to those types of personalized um, professional development um, sessions or content that the teachers are focusing on. I think that's really huge as you're meeting the learners where you're at as you would in a classroom and you're also making sure that that it's aligned with the goals and I think that you can create five or six different types of professional development that aligns with coaching and aligned with your goals as a district and school. So it's it's really key. And I think that moving forward is that if we provide that versus mandated time or we're taking up a meeting time to do this or planning time, I really think that that is gonna be much more effective moving forward. And albeit it will take time to build that culture to do so, but I think that it is something that can be more effective over time. And the research shows is that the non-traditional professional development outlets and coaching are far more effective than having any sort of one-off in-person or synchronous, you know, professional development session. And just want to reiterate specifically the, the coaching piece is that investing tons of money and time into coaching really puts teachers on a higher playing field. A number of studies I looked at look at that, for example, a number of third year teachers in terms of where they were at, in terms of where, in terms of the feeling of their effectiveness were on a variety of different metrics. They're around 10 more years of experience in terms of their effectiveness versus where they were at without coaching. So it was like a seven, eight year difference in terms of their experience if you look at certain metrics. So that, that's that's huge. And I think that we really got to focus on that through the instruction and tech integration piece. And I think instructional coaches have to have that tech integration piece. And everything that we're doing now is tech infused. And I think that throughout the entire organization of schools and districts, we have to have that mindset of that tech integration in every single position and having some expertise there. And 
going back to the coaching pieces, I think that the instruction, instruction pedagogy will always go before the tech use. But in terms of what we're trying to do within schools, if we're trying to create a variety of different modalities or settings where learning can take place, we got to be able to provide that coaching and training to teachers so that they can teach within in-person blended in and fully online settings. So I think that's really huge. Um, and that really focuses on that point where we want to provide that support for continuous growth and support and just reiterating how important coaching is. The next point I want to focus on is think less is more quality um, over quantity. And I remember the episode that I had with ATN, who is a uh, coach in a district level, as well as an international consultant focusing on language development, really wanted to focus on quality over quantity in terms of what we're trying to do within our professional development, within what we're trying to do in terms of our coaching, in terms of the programs, initiative, we want to really think less is more. Two to three things each year that's aligned to each of our goals. And that's it. And we can keep track of those things pretty easily with a lot of different metrics. And I think that in the climate that we're in, we really truly have to ensure that we are very specific at what we want our educators to be focusing on and building that capacity around those aligned goals. I, that That is really huge. And we really want to have a really quality program over doing a million different things. So that's another major trend that we really need to focus on. And then also lessons like burnout as well as fatigue at among many other things. So it's truly important. The next piece I want to talk about is feedback over grading. We had a number of episodes discussing this specifically. One was with uh, Dave Frangirosa about going gradeless and then growth over time with Mike Rutherford. I, I truly think that the tools that we have now versus what we've had historically is that we live in a, in a world of what I call the age of formative assessment. I write about this quite often in my books and blogs. And we have the ability now to see student progress really truly in real time and provide real time feedback, whether that's whole class or individualized. And there are tools now that can keep track of that in that conversation over time. And I think that where we need to go is, is that a lot of grade reform has been around standards based. And, and I believe that's a good start. Although I truly think it's that qualitative conversation where you can see historically student work and then feedback over time from all the way to when they were in kindergarten, all the way until they were in grade 12 as seeing that conversation from multiple types of teachers, stakeholders, and seeing that student's work over time grow and see where they can, you know, where they begin and where they end in terms of the year and throughout their career. We have the ability to do that. And there's a number of tools that are available like growth over time. You can even do it in your, in, in a variety of different LMSs if you don't have to roll over the year. So, Truly, the feedback is 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 huge, 
and that's how we grow. And I'm all in favor for getting rid of most of our current grading systems as they're really only there for compliance base and sorting. Um, reminds me of a book um, about um, our meteorocracy where basically we're in a world of merit and how education historically has been a big filter of merit. And I really think that moving towards that feedback model versus grading, we can get rid of some of that um, filtering. And I think we can have that conversation and feedback and seeing that development of a person over time versus just seeing, um, you know, letters on a page or a number on a scale. I think that being able to go back and see where that person has come from and seeing how they developed it, it is, is huge and seeing how that person can go in and do that very same exercise because that the tool do so. So that's really important. Um, so now let's talk about instructional risk-taking and innovation. So throughout many of our episodes, we've seen a lot of different educators take instructional risks. Um, we've had educators talk about their experiences during the first couple of years of the pandemic try and do a lot of variety of different things um, from station rotation within an online setting, taking a variety of different types of thinking routines and integrating them with a variety of different tools. We've seen really teachers get away of, from grading systems and going into full feedback systems. We've seen schools go tinker with the four day school week with an asynchronous day. I think that we gotta continue to encourage instructional risk-taking and innovation as there's so many different tools that are available. And I think that we, we can really just um, really change education. And along with the innovation piece, we have the four-day school week, which many of us over the last two years have encountered to some degree. And then also we've seen schools take on that four-day school week. And this is going to be a future episode, by the way, where we're going to talk about this innovative model and see dive more deep into it as it's really, truly something that could be something that um, could really help positively affect education, specifically teachers and students. So we really want to continue to encourage these types of instructional models, instructional, um, different types of instructional integrations, um, because we, we live in a world where things are changing so quickly and there's so much research out there that's coming out where we can really integrate that into what we're doing in school. So. I know we already talked about grading, but I'm going to talk quickly about metrics in terms of how states um, evaluate schools. And for certain states, there's more metrics in terms of assessment in the state standards. Some states, there's more metrics that include um, different demographics of students, different um, metrics of student climate, 
So those are those are becoming more and more popular. But I think we still need to go to further extent where we focus on student well-being and climate of teachers and staff, along with students in the community, along with those assessment scores and some other metrics, because if we truly are Maslow before Bloom, we will measure those types of metrics. And then we can look and see, you know, there may be a correlation between, between, um, you know, if this, if the well-being of the staff and teachers and students in the community is great, then it's more than likely there's going to be a, 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 you know, possibly a positive relationship with higher test scores, higher academic progress. So we got to find um, ways to measure this often, and not just once a year in terms of teacher well-being, student well-being, community well-being. We got to be measuring that more often, and I think we have the tools available to do that. So we really should be focusing on that very often. And I think for if we look at assessment in terms of the state's uh, assessments is why don't we focus on doing it throughout the year, having small formative assessments throughout the year and seeing that progress over time versus that one or two weeks where those state assessments are going. We have the technology now where we can have various windows where the students you know, take a couple hours or even a day at absolute max during the school year to take these assessments throughout the year and see what that progress looks like over time versus that single summative assessment. I mean, learning is very fluid and it changes constantly. And how can we truly evaluate what our learners and schools are doing if we're just only doing it a couple times, I mean, once per year? I think having it four times per year using that formative assessment and then using those scores across the year to really evaluate what's going on you know at the school and district level and then having the state look at it throughout the you know the the year as something that would be very positive be very helpful for us to determine what's working what's not working so i think that that is huge and we should really be focusing on that a lot in education along with other metrics i discussed to really focus on looking at schools as a whole as you know, what's being effective and how are our students doing and how are our teachers doing? How's the community doing? All those things are, are really, really key in the world that we live in now. One of the last points I wanna make is, I think and believe that we must be prepared, K through 20 teachers must be prepared to teach within any setting, whether it's an in-person setting, fully online blended, and having a could be an in-person class where you have a physical and digital realm. I, I truly believe where we're going in education is that we must be prepared to provide instruction that's effective in all these variety of settings. Because who knows what can happen in terms of a future pandemic, disaster, but also I think the nature of choice if you provide a variety of different modalities and options for families within a school district or within a municipality, it's gonna be, I believe, over time, far more um, diverse learning opportunities for students 
<clears throat> for example, at the high school level or at the middle school level, you could have classes that may not be offered specifically at that school site within the district, but then they could take that class online or they could take a couple days um, at a different site or at a local community location where they have an in-person element. And we could be doing that far more often for our middle school and high school students. And then I think if we're looking at elementary, I do believe that there could be more of a blended element in elementary school, especially if we go to that four day school week with that asynchronous day. <clears throat> I think that there could be elements of really being able to teach in both in in-person in online setting there being very, very important. So moving forward, I think in terms of being a, having the ability to teach with all these settings, it's really think, thinking about what instructional strategy and what type of tools can work best within all these settings. And I've done a lot of work there and have a lot of work coming out in the next year focusing on this. And I'm really excited to release it. So really, I think that truly is the future of where we're going in education. And it's gonna take some time. There has been some pushback to what we call quote unquote normal in 2019, but I think Pandora's box has been open and where we're currently at, I believe that we are in the position to have a variety of different modalities of classroom settings that will be available to students throughout our schools and districts. And I think that strides have been made and, and I think there's gonna be a lot of capacity building to further get to there, but that's what's coming in the future. So those are some of the major themes. So we had like eight, eight, nine themes that we talked about in a lot of our major episodes <clears throat> as we went through the first 50. And I'm truly excited for the next 50 as I think we're gonna really dive into some important um, topics such as the four day school week, teacher burnout, um, focusing on what, what could school look like in a world where classrooms, in-person classrooms aren't that foundation anymore. I also think that we will have topics more on, some more topics on social emotional learning, um, positive psychology as we've had um, thus far, but I truly think that we need to talk about it more. So I'm really truly excited as we move into the next 50 episodes. And I look forward to discussing all the major topics that we've talked about and more on this podcast. And really, truly, the goal is to provide educators with a repository of resources, including this podcast, to help them navigate what they're currently going through, as well as what could be happening in the future. And I'm really, truly excited to see what that looks like in the next year, as probably by the time we get around to the summer of 2020, 23 is that we may be on episode number 100 or really getting close to there. So really truly the goal is that to bring educators of all contexts this content for free so that they can um, really look at what experts are doing in a variety of different areas, what educators are doing around the world to see how they can possibly take tidbits of what they're saying and put it into practice, whether they're teaching your coach leadership etc. So 
Thank you so much for listening. I can't wait to go into episode 51 in the next week or so as we move through the next few months. And I really, truly appreciate the listeners and those watching live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also take a look at all the other previous podcasts by going to matthewroads.com and then go to Navigate Education Podcast or check out the podcasts on Spotify, Breaker, Apple Podcasts, and more. And want to thank School Rubric as a sponsor of our podcast here and another really great outlet that amplifies the voices of educators. So really, truly appreciate them. So thank you so much. I hope you can connect with me on social media at MattRhodes1990 on Twitter. And I hope that maybe you can possibly be a guest in the future. Thank you so much. And I hope that you have a fantastic rest of your week in summer as we move into the next school year of 2023. And I look forward to the next 50 episodes. Thank you.